Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Podcast. I'm Todd Sumney, the Chief Industry Officer for HomeSmart. And I'm Rich LaRue, Vice President of uh, Corporate Brokerages for the Western Region for HomeSmart, as well as the designated broker in Phoenix, Arizona. And we've got a great program for you today. Totally excited about where we're going uh, today, Todd. I, I am too. We have some sunshine coming to us from the west coast of the United States. Yes, we do. Today, please welcome our guest, Mike Blair, who runs a, uh, a large, powerful team out there in Southern California, who is doing an awful lot helping buyers and sellers. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate so, it. So uh, Mike is with HomeSmart Realty West, by the way, San Diego. Real quick, uh, areas, county, um, uh, part particular areas in Southern California that you serve? Yeah, we pretty much cover all of San Diego County and then South Riverside County as well. Awesome. You venture into Orange County at all? Not really. Uh, we've done a couple deals here and there just from a referral or somebody that specifically wanted to work with us, uh, you know, all the way up to Los Angeles. But uh, that's not our bread and butter. We primarily focus San Diego County Love and it. South Riverside. County. Got it. This is awesome. I, I have a list a mile long that, to dig in. So let's just rapid fire. Let's go to it. Tell us a little bit. How did you get started in real estate? Yeah, actually, I shared the story earlier when I was doing a training today. Uh, I started in real estate a lot differently than most people do. Um, and so I actually got recruited into real estate. Uh, two of my good friends, they're top producing agents in real estate. Uh, at the time, it was at Keller Williams. And they actually reached out to me because we were really good friends. And they asked me, hey, Mike, you know, who do you know that could come in and help us grow and expand our business in real estate? And I was like, well, you know, like, they didn't know I was selling a company I owned at that time. And so I told them I, I might be interested in that. And so uh, I never sold a house, wasn't licensed or anything like that. And yet applied for the position, uh, earned my way um, into that role. And I started as their director of sales and operations for a real estate team. Um, and again, never sold real estate, but I understood business. And, uh, and that is how I got started in 2017. That's awesome. 2017. Wow, so, hey, I know that you mentioned you did a class today. Uh, working with agents all over San Diego about how to market themselves and grow their business. So we're going to get to that coming up in a minute, but I still want to keep building on a little bit of your story. So those listeners hang around because we got some really good information that Mike's going to be sharing with all of you about how you could grow your business too, uh, based on what he uh, taught today. But uh, so at some point you're, you're involved in real estate, you're, um, how did you start out? What did you do? Did you start selling and how did you eventually move into a team? Yeah, good question. And so when I got started, I was a you know director of sales and operations. And so my main role was actually to help streamline and you know help systemize the business. And so at that time, I think we had a handful of agents in addition to the, the, the owner, the top producer. Um, and so I was you know, my task, I guess, was to recruit agents, get them trained, get them into production, and then continue to develop systems and tools on the back end so that we can continue to scale up. Um, in about two to three year time frame, we were doing over a million dollars in gross commissions as a team, uh, you know, multiple six figure earners on the team. And we really just had a good machine going. Right. And, and that was from 2017 to about 2020. Uh, in 2020, uh, the team that I was on there, uh, again, 
I, I barely got licensed in 2019. So I did all of that because I wasn't actively selling real estate, mainly because I wasn't allowed to compete with my own team. Um, so I never actually pursued getting licensed the first two years. Uh, and then uh, in 2019, kind of 2020, um, the, the team kind of changed dynamics of, and changed directions. And so I went a different path. And I ended up working for a real estate investor that I had met through a friend from high school. And I saw he was doing a lot of business. I reached out to him when I was kind of looking for a new real estate opportunity. And he was like, oh, you got to come meet my cousin. And lo and behold, his cousin was flipping houses. And so I got involved there. Uh, I started selling a lot of their flipped houses um, as a listing agent and then very quickly became the COO of that company. And uh, while that was real estate investing, we still had the opportunity to acquire deals and sell deals. And so there was still a real estate component involved uh, on the retail side. And so I was involved in that company for about three years up until earlier this year um, in about January of 2023. And at that point, you know, market has shifted. Things have changed. Um, flipping wasn't as popular, especially in a high price market like San Diego. And so I made another pivot. Uh, January of this year. Um, I was at HomeSmart though for the last three years or so because that's where I hung my license and that's where we were selling a lot of the listings. Uh, and yet this year in, in January, February, I kind of almost restarted. Um, uh, started back from the beginning. It was me and another agent that I had a relationship with. And then between February and now, um, we have 11 agents on the team. Uh, an admin assistant for the team, a full-time transaction coordinator, a videographer, and then I recently hired an operations manager. So all that in the last maybe 10 So let me so. ask you um, about today, and then we'll go back and fill in some of the blanks. What kind of volume are you doing sure. in today's market um, in a less than stellar uh, market for real estate professionals? Uh, what kind of volume are you doing? You said you've got 11 team members. Um, Tell us more about that. For sure. Um, so about half of the team members are, are pretty new to real estate. Um, so they're still in their beginning stages, getting the, the bearings going. Um, currently, we're doing about 10 deals or so a month um, as a team. Uh, I still carry a good weight of that um, myself for the team. Um, but I also do focus on real estate investing and, and some other components as well. So on the retail side, we're doing about 10. Excellent. Good for you. So now let's go back in time. Hang on, that's 120 deals a year. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It is. All right. Yeah. Just doing the you're, math. You're doing the math. Good All right. job. Keep yeah. Going, yeah. I, I love keep, it. Keep going. <clears throat> so let's right. go back in time. You said uh, in 2017 you were uh, the sales manager for a large team, and then you got licensed in 2019, and then went out on your own recently. How did all that come about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think. Ultimately, dynamics of, che of teams sure. change, right? People's directions change. And, you know, the last two organizations I was with, they're both amazing, right? And there's, they still exist and everything like that. I think I just needed a different direction at, at some point. Um, and so, you know, what I've learned now that I'm growing my team from those two last experiences is that I, as the team leader, have to have a goal and a dream big enough to support everybody else's mm. dream within the team. And I've always been that kind of high Love achiever, that. you know, high producer type of person. And I'm not saying that I necessarily outgrew those teams at the times that I left. And yet my dreams started getting bigger and bigger. And so I needed a bigger opportunity. And so when that no longer existed, 
um, in the organization, then ultimately, I, you know, I actually never wanted to be an agent or or have my own team. And yet it just happened as a byproduct of not being able to kind of hit the levels or hit the the you know level of success I wanted to being in the other yet, here you are. And so I just, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, right. And it's like, okay, well, I know all the things that I would want in a team, you know, going through two essentially different real estate organizations. Um, and so now the way that I'm building the team is, is with that intention, with those things right. in mind, right. Having a, a large ceiling, having, you know, fun, exciting opportunities, right. Like our last team, uh, team bonding event, was about a week and a half ago, and we did a team jet ski day. So I rented eight jet skis um, and a boat, and we all had fun in the water. And this is October, but I'm in San Diego. So <laughs> yeah, the water's still warm. <laughs> I love right. that. I love that. Have and fun. I, love, I love that fact about your vision being being big. And so uh, the listeners, I hope you're hearing that, you know, that sometimes your vision can really set your course um, we did some classes recently uh, for our Elevate training series, and we were just talking about goal setting and about how for years nobody thought you could break the four-minute mile. But, you know, uh, basically Roger Bannister set some big goals and made it happen. And, uh, and then how many people broke it within several months? I want to say that like 50 people broke it within yeah. like six months of yeah. him. Once, but, once people believed that it could be done. But 100 years before that, right. nobody nobody could do it. So that's the power of the mind. So I love that vision mindset. And hopefully you can talk a little more about that, you know, in the podcast here. But um, tough question for you. Um, you mentioned keywords like mm -hmm. operations, processes, efficiencies, um, systems, things like that. Those early years, 2017 to 19. What was your biggest lesson learned? during that time period about those items? Yeah, I would say the biggest lesson learned in re in relation to kind of operations and systems is that in my opinion, that is actually what scales the business, right? right? It's, it's people and processes. And so if you don't have the processes part, you can recruit people and you know build an organization and then those people will leave at some point. Right. And so the scalability factor for me is is finding the right people and finding talent, helping them become you know more talented over time and then plugging them into processes and systems that help them scale as individuals. And so I think from my last six years, that is what I learned the most. And so when we were building this team now is we started with tools and systems and infrastructure before bringing on a lot of team members. And so. Now I can, like my goal for next year is to get to 30 agents on the team. And we're probably going to be at 20 by the end of this year. And it's because the systems and the processes and the infrastructure can handle 20 already. And so it, for me, I almost built it backwards versus most of the other organizations I see. They recruit somebody, they try to train them, and then right. they go That's, away. Right. Right. Because they don't have systems. That's kind of how we built HomeSmart. So, you know, we built bit. the processes and the systems with the goal of being paperless and of um, having transactions approved in 24 hours. So that's. And not to go totally field of dreams on you, but I will. If you build it, they will come. Right. And so I right. find it interesting that if I did the math correctly, if I understood you correctly, Mike, you said that you started this team at the first of the year, the first of January of 2023. We're now, we're recording this early Correct. November, 
2023. So you've had 10 full months and you have basically gone from a team of one, you, to a team of 11. You've added 10, 10 members, mm -hmm. basically one member a month. How are you doing that? We've got, we have a lot of listeners who are either team leaders who are trying to grow or individual agents who want to start a team. So what do you look for in a team member? Uh, how are you finding them? How are you attracting them? Are you hunting them down like you were hunted down? Yes. Or are they finding you? Maybe a little. Yeah, so I would say to kind of, for starters, it's, it's having the right value proposition, I think. Um, so I have a strong value proposition for the team, which makes it easier to have that conversation. Uh, and then from the value proposition, not only does that have a lot of leverage, but in the value proposition is also the infrastructure, right? Of an admin assistant, a transaction coordinator, a videographer, photographer, and an operations person. So when somebody's plugging in, instead of them having to hire all of these people, they already have them from the beginning, sure. right? So the infrastructure helps for sure. And then actually recruiting and, and finding the talent, um, you know, it is a combination of me going outbound and meeting the right people. Um, and then also creating, you know, attractive marketing. So I mentioned the jet ski day, right? Well, from the jet ski day, if whoever is listening follows me on Instagram, you could see the video we created from the jet ski day. And that video alone has got a couple more people interested sure. In just joining our team, dude, I'm culture, interested, right? Not hey, you know what? Yeah, yeah <laughs> go, go watch it. And you know what? I want to go jet ski. We have a good friend. We have a good friend who says you golf better when you golf with good golfers. And like hearing you talk about your team and what you're doing, like that, that excellence attracts excellence, and success, you know, attracts success. And then it's in the end, it's um, success for our consumers that we're helping because the talent is there. So. Love that. Um, can For you sure. dig into a little bit with some nuts and bolts, um, like systems, processes? What are you using? Are you using a CRM? Are you doing lead gen? You know, uh, what CRM are you using? What lead gen? What lead routing system are you using? Can you give away some of those yeah. secrets? Of course. Yeah, the cool thing about me is I'm fully transparent, right? And so um, I'll give you everything that we use or everything that we do. And that's, I think, part of the reason why I've been asked to train HomeSmart Realty West here is because there are no secrets for me, right? If you want to know something, then I'll that's share That's the with secret you. So, of the real estate um, so for business. Us, it is. The, the secret yeah. is there really are no secrets. <laughs> right. We all borrow from one another. Really? Right. Definitely. So... For me, uh, on well, first for starters, for every agent that's on our team, uh, the first thing that we do is we create, we co-create their business plan. And so every agent on my team actually all have different business plans. Um, a lot of them have similar categories, but how they approach their business and how they generate leads is potentially slightly different. And so we start with that, and then we layer on the tools and systems that they potentially would need to have success. And so. A lot of that has to do with the CRM and uh, you know other tools that we use. So for the CRM, currently we use Follow Up Boss, uh, and yet I am in the process of migrating our whole team to Chime, um, and it's just because it has a couple other you layers. Mean, that, other you mean Lofty? Lofty. Lofty. It's changing yes, its correct. name this week, I guess. Lofty. Right? It's it basically hurt. like uh, you know, be Lofty in your mindset, right? I like that. All right, so Chime yeah, Lofty. Yeah. Okay, I didn't mean to we're, interrupt. We're 
that change. Um, again, every agent has different lead generation methods and sources. And so for the ones that are cold calling, um, we do have mojo dialers on the team that they could jump into and, and plug into. Um, we do use a couple sources to aggregate data um, to be able to make those phone calls and uh, you know make sure we filter out people are that are on the do not call list. Do you use uh, and then you use Call Realty Resource or Black Knight Sidex Pro? Have you have you heard of those? Okay. Yeah, I've used to use Cold um, Cold okay. Realty Resource, and then currently we use uh, something called PropStream okay. actually, um, because we're actually more targeted with some of our okay. prospecting. So we'll you know be a little bit more targeted on the okay. list. Drill down a little bit more on um, that. You're you're you said you're you're a little more targeted on your prospecting. Can you elaborate? Yeah, so we're like on the cold calling side, for example, we're targeting more, um, I would say, higher motivated leads potentially. So we're looking at data sets that have you know high equity or been in the house long term or older neighborhoods or things like that. Um, and so we're pulling that type of data versus just normal circle prospecting right. around a house like mile radius, which is also effective. And yet um, we have both strategies right. in place. So we're, we're attempting to find, you know, different types of motivated motivation. Sellers. Right. That's yeah. great. Um, and then one of the things I think I do differently uh, as a real estate team leader is operationally, I actually use EOS, which stands for entrepreneurial operating system. Um, so I don't have all my team members on the EOS platform. Uh, and yet me and my leadership team, we use EOS to track certain things and, um, you know, keep keep a hold of certain projects and certain things that we have going on. So um, in the EOS infrastructure, we use things like rocks or we use things like scorecards to be able to track data and make decisions based on data. Um, so I think that's something different that I don't really see a lot of real estate professionals. I'm not familiar with EOS. And when you refer to rocks, I'm. I'm assuming that those are your big, chunky goals that take time that you place first so everything else can go around it. Is that a correct assumption? Okay. That's correct. Right. Correct. So are you doing um, uh, paid lead sources? Um, do you do some, do you do pay-per-click? Do you, you know, some of the Ojo Labs or some of those sources or referrals or anything like that? Like, are you doing some paid lead sources yeah. as well or is it all self-generated? It's a good yeah, good question. So we actually don't buy any leads. Um, we do run some marketing campaigns, mostly around listings. And while doing that, we do generate some leads from that. And so those do get distributed to the team. Uh, and yet the way that we build is we primarily focus on each individual's business plan and then just go deep into that. And so the unique thing is there's only one agent really on, on our team that has any kind of paid um, lead source as part of their plan. All the other 10 actually don't because right. it costs money. And so instead of us spending a bunch of money, we actually just hone in on those lead generation strategies. So for example, a big one on our team is social media. And so, you know, that's why we create videos on our team building days or on our listings, or, you know, when we do a closing for buyers, like we're very heavy into the storytelling and the video creation of those moments. Uh, and then all of our agents can kind of leverage that content. Um, so social media is definitely one of those. And yet it's not only about creating content. It's also about, you know, building a following, being a, a you know, reputable person, having a good personal brand, 
going outbound also. So commenting, liking, DMing people, right? All of that is part of the social media strategy. And so we just build out strategies to leverage that particular strategy if that's one of the pillars that the agents focused on. So social media is a big one for most of us. Um, the other big one is open houses. So we have a, my next training actually for HomeSmart is a mega open house training. And it's more about um, execution at the open house, right? The right scripts, the right signage, the right marketing, the right marketing collateral, physically having a lender present, you know, having the right music, like all these components that go into an event at an open house. And we were definitely been able to leverage that to be able to capitalize on so a future, being a future podcast houses. on open houses specifically then. All right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm jumping on the yeah, opportunity yeah. here. I'd say, you know, give, give me more, give me more. But you could do an hour just on that. Totally. I bet. Totally. All right. So, yeah, like open house is one of the unique things that maybe not a lot of agents do. But uh, we have music at our open houses. Right. And. I recommend typically the music at the open house be um, U.S. top hits instrumentals, uh -huh. right? So like that's my secret because whenever somebody walks into that open house, it's a familiar song. They know the beat. They know the tune. And it makes them feel no comfortable heavy metal? in the house, right? So, <laughs> it helps. <laughs> Actually, though, that's a great secret. Everybody I, write that I, down. I, I, that's um, that's top, a great nugget. Top hits, but instrumental. Yeah. And everybody will familiarize with That is genius. That's a, that's a great, that's a great tip right there. Uh, um, uh, oh, cookies, a little cookies. Do you cook cookies? So you have the fresh cookie smell? Cookies help. Uh, we don't particularly do that, but some agents have okay. done it. In the past. How about signage out around the open house? Oh, there we go. That's how a many one. agents or yeah, how many signs? Anywhere from 20 to 40 how many? signs. 20 to 20 40, to 40 signs. signs for one open house. So in North San Diego County, do you not have sign ordinances? They allow you to do that? There are. Yeah, so we have to be careful with some of those. So there are counties and areas that, you know, that have HOAs or other factors that we can't do that. Okay. Um, and so then we'll go heavier. We'll kind of replace that and go heavier on marketing or heavier on social media some other way. Um, and yet the, the 20 to 40 signs it does a lot of things. Number one, obviously it exposes the house and brings traffic. Sure. Um, but number two, imagine if there's another agent hosting an open house in that same area and he has 10 signs and you right. have 40. Like who do you think dominates the market? Just from Well, and between the two of you, you ought to so, get some people to come into your open houses. So it's a bit of a collaboration yeah. as well. It's not just a competition. No, but ad advertising and yeah. marketing is all about impressions and it's also about frequency yeah. and repetition. Yeah. And I know of someone in San Diego that that's what they do. They put out 40, 50 open house signs every time they're doing an open house. And they're doing it every weekend, too, four weekends in a row. And the, the, the neighbors are out driving their kids to Little League, then to school, then the grocery store, then to Home Depot. And literally all day long, they're driving past one, two, three, four, five, ten, forty. You know, and everyone's an impression. It's like billboards, you know, and they're there. And it just builds up. And then after a while, oh, you're you're with the Mike Blair team. Oh, I see your signs everywhere. So genius. Yeah. I commend you for that. Yeah. I love that. And if we go back to for an sure. old billboard <laughs> story right. uh, that we'll resurrect from, you know, podcast months ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike, years ago, uh, I, I did a, a billboard, a billboard. All right. I could not afford billboards, plural. All right. I think I was spending a hundred dollars. In fact, it wasn't even a billboard. It was a bus bench. Right. 
and I was I was paying like a hundred bucks a month. I could afford one, and we just moved that bus bench around the town. Excuse me, around in it, you know, an area that I was working, and and people would would say to me constantly, "Man, I see your your bus benches everywhere. You must have dozens of them." No, I don't. I'm struggling. I'm trying to make sales. You know, I have one. <laughs> but it's <laughs> but moving around. Perception. So if you're putting out 20 to 40 yeah. signs a weekend, you know, or for every open house, you've got to be just crushing the neighborhood because they see you everywhere. Well, and, I then, think doing, it, and then doing the different neighborhoods, you know, they see yeah. you in different yeah, places. Everywhere. Yeah. And so it does. It just builds that. Man, you're everywhere, right? That type of approach. Literally. So yeah. Love that. Love that. What else? Yeah, uh, I mean those are those are two big ones for us. Uh, networking is actually quick, a big you one. Before move for on me. to networking, um, open houses. Number one question I get asked all the time when I travel around the country: How do you get agents, or how, excuse me, how do you get consumers to <clears throat> give up their real name, information, and engage with you? And 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 mm. it's not just a you know, hey, sign in. You know that that that. No, I, you know, I, we can already tell you have a much more you've elegant solution. Got to have a way of, uh, for if, that. If you you know how many people come through an open house, just using an example, and how many of those people then yeah. engage with you and provide information that you can then leverage. Yeah, good question. So at a newer open house, meaning newer newer to the market, it'll be somewhere between ten and twenty five okay. groups. Um, like last weekend, one of the agents on our team, they hosted an open house that's been on the market for about 30 days and they still had 17 groups come in. Um, so open houses still work. So I would say make sure everybody knows that open houses do still work. Um, and yet to answer the question about getting people to sign in, a couple of us have a couple different methods. Um, I'll give you another secret. Like usually I don't share these secrets, but uh, because it's you guys, I'll share. Um, one of the things that I, I personally do, and some of the agents on my team do it, is we'll have booties at the house to keep the house clean. And then we'll use the booties while they're putting the booties on to have and spark that conversation with the person walking in. Because if you guys have ever put booties on your shoes, it's actually it's not, not very easy. Not. And so usually it takes somebody has to sit down or they have to do, you know, stand up one foot, kind of struggle through it. And so during that time is usually when I'll ask them a couple questions, you know, like, how did you find the open house? Um, you know, oh, by the way, my name is Mike. What was your name again? And I'll write their name down. And then, you know, what's the best contact phone number for you? Like I'm, I'm asking a direct question, like what's the best phone number for you? And typically they're giving it to me. Um, once in a while, if you get the bogus number, then sometimes you'll either ask them to repeat it back or you'll read it back or you'll play like you didn't get the last four numbers. So like, oh, it was 619123, what was the last four again? And if they repeat the same number, then usually it's accurate because most people aren't gonna forget what they lie to you about. And so <laughs> um, so that's kind of one of the ways. And so I'm, I'm pretty good if I host an open house, which is not as common anymore, um, I will get every single person to sign in using that strategy. Well done. Um, so that's one. Um, others is, you know, sometimes we'll assign some, somebody a task like, oh, make sure that you look at the stove or make sure you check out the, you know, the unique laundry room or something like that and give them something to come back to you about. Uh, and then at that time, attempt to ask for their contact information. Oh, that's great. Um, there are agents on my team, probably better than I am at booking appointments at the open house. Um, so usually we'll do a buyer's consultation when we meet with buyers. And uh, some of my agents are trained 
to book the appointment at the open house. Build enough rapport and relationship in a couple minutes to get the appointment. Great. I'm doing a very unscientific yeah. survey for future podcasts. Um, do you sell many of your own listings from open houses? Um, it's definitely happened. Uh, I would say it's not many though. Okay, so uh, you had said a hot button a couple minutes ago, videos. Um, mm -hmm. Rich and I, it's no secret, we think video is very, very effective. And we wish more agents got out of our comfort zone and really started to provide you know, content. And we were doing a podcast with an agent in Atlanta the other day, and she was like, you know, I have people that have been watching my videos for three years, and they act like they know me. And, you know, or they, they talk to me like I'm one of their, you know, very good friends because I've been doing videos for years they've been consuming. So could you think of an agent on your team who's new, who used video to grow their business? Kind of walk us through what they did. Yeah. So for some of the newer agents, especially if they're a little bit uncomfortable in the beginning with videos, um, we actually go almost podcast style. Um, so kind of like what we're doing right now um, in my office, actually right here, we have two chairs and two microphones. And I'll just ask them a couple questions because most people are comfortable having a conversation. And so we will ask a couple questions like, I would say, Todd, you know, how did you get started in real estate? Or Todd, what was your background prior to getting into real estate? And then me, I'll be an active listener and then prompt and ask other great follow-up questions and almost extract the right information out of them. And then they'll use that as the video. Um, and so we've done that multiple times. And so, you know, again, if you go on my social media, you'll see me interview somebody else. And it's more so that I can extract some of that information that maybe they're shy about in the beginning. Um, and then as they progress, though, and they get comfortable in video, then we do walkthrough tours, we do listing videos, we'll, you know, jump on and do training, we'll share tips, things like that. Um, and then it becomes a lot more comfortable with that repetition. Great. Do you do new builds? Any new build videos or any of those? Um, not new build video, but we have done, we have closed clients that have purchased okay. new build uh, homes and then we'll do a, a client video Great. around that. Okay. What else, Rich? What else are you doing that you want to share with us? Uh, I mean, I, I was going to mention networking is a big pillar okay. for me um, and just, just building relationships in general. Uh, one of the things that is unique about me is that I believe everybody's a lead, right? And so for me, it's about meeting more people. And there's a lot more people that I don't know than I do know. And so I go out and, and make it an effort to go and meet new people. And sometimes it's at networking events, it's at other seminars, it's at other um, opportunities where there are people. And believe it or not, a lot of my clients are other real estate agents or other investors. And so like one of my most recent closings, my client is actually a licensed real estate agent. Um, and so that doesn't make sense for some people. And yet for me, it's because I brought him a really good deal and he would rather have me represent them because I had the relationship with the listing agent and we had almost like pre-negotiated the deal. And so in those cases, there are agents and investors that are willing to work with other agents like myself to be able to help them get a deal that they potentially couldn't have gotten really? on their own. Love it. I love that too. <clears throat> what else? <laughs> oh man. You, um, today? you know, what's your hot topic today at your classes? 
Yeah. So today we went over branding, marketing, and social media. And, you know, on the branding side, it was more about how to develop your own personal brand or how to expose yourself, you know, to, to the marketplace. Right. And that could be done a, a variety of ways. Uh, we, we touched on social media earlier and yet for me, branding is really what the audience or your, you know, followers view you as, right? And so for us, it's it's how do we create that that perception of what we do and who we serve and, you know, who our client base is and things like that. And the best way for us to do that is through telling stories and, and doing videos. And so I actually shared an example of our jet ski uh, team building video. That was the first thing I started with in our class today. And then after that video was done, I asked the audience, you know, the people in, in the room to share what was their thoughts on the video, right? About branding. And so everybody's thought process and perception was different. So some of them, they said, well, Mike, you did a good job being a great leader and putting on a, a cool event for your, your team. Others said, you really showcased San Diego because we were in the water under the Coronado Bridge, riding jet skis, sunny outside. And, you know, so showcase San Diego. For others, it was you showcased your team. You have, you know, energy, youth, fun, enjoyment, like on your team. And so everybody got a different story right. from that. And all of that encompasses the brand, right, of who I am, who our team is. And so whoever's watching that video now, they can create their own story, but it's typically all positive in that specific scenario. So branding for us has to do with all of those stories combined, right? Um, so that was one. And then on the marketing side, we went over some marketing channels, um, you know, how to do the right outbound marketing, whether that's social media, your website, um, you know, direct mail ads, like we talked about earlier, things like that to really get out there and market yourself and essentially market your brand. Um, and then lastly, we talked a little bit deeper about social media. So I shared a couple of you know, my social media channels, uh, what I do to, um, you know, to promote listings, what the frequency looks like, what the consistency looks like, and then how I uh, almost bank some of that content so that it's, it's pre-shot and pre-planned. Um, and so I use, uh, you know, I have Apple products and so I use my iPhotos um, and I have a folder of all of the, the reels that I need to post. So anything I've created that I haven't posted yet, they all go into one folder. When I post that particular reel, I move it from that folder to a different folder. And then now I, whatever's left is still what I have, what content I have. So I, not rocket science, right? I, I don't use any crazy technologies or anything, but it's, but it's, it, it's it works a system. For me. And also that's brilliant. Right. So for those of you that are listening right now, I think sometimes you're, um, if you're, you're thinking about shooting video and you're thinking you, you already take it to the next jump. I shoot it and then I post it. Just shoot 10 videos. Just go ahead and shoot 10 videos and don't do anything with them. Put them in a folder and then and then eventually start to use them. But then you've also got some people think, well, I don't want to start it because if I start to do it on a regular basis and then I get busy, then. Well, nice then problem have a, to have. A lull, right? right? No, not you, exactly. <laughs> but then the next point is, is that if you do what you're talking about, you kind of have a folder there that on some days you might shoot five reels and on other days you're going to extract and you're going to pull. I'm busy today, but I'm going to post a reel I already shot. I, I just think that's a brilliant yeah, idea. Sure. And I hope everybody Well, some takes days away. are better video days and some yeah. days are better 
radio days, yes. right? I mean, some days we just don't want to be on video. For and me, so, it's every day. Every <laughs> well, on yeah, radio. I've, I've been told regularly that I've got the the voice for, excuse me, the uh, face the for face radio. for radio. Uh, so, but uh, anyway, I anyway. want to go. I want to go back a little bit and 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 dig inside your head just a bit, because sure. with your team members and you have all of these resources available and and you're in tune uh, with, with, with what's going on in the market and social media and that, and you're developing, you said you, you develop an individual marketing plan, right. you co-develop with the agent, with your team members. Mm -hmm. So with that, if they're doing an individual marketing plan, do they attack social media differently than one another? Um, or are you cookie cuttering? Cut, cutting cookie cutter ing it <laughs> somehow that sounded better in my head yeah, yeah. than than the way it came out of my mouth <laughs> anyway are you creating cookie cutters for your agents you know or are you truly building individual marketing plans uh, that are based on their personalities yeah that's a great question and and that is why we co-create it right so um so i do give examples right if if they're like well, social media is definitely a pillar that I want to focus on. Then I'll give some examples of some of the other team members on how we leverage social media, what the cadence looks like, the activities, how often we're posting, what we're posting, those types of things. And yet it is still a co-creation between us and that agent, because like you said, a lot of agents have different personalities, right? Some might be better at, you know, talking on camera versus talking off camera, or some might be better at, you know, building relationships. Um, on social media, meeting, you know, being on threads or t chatting with people or things like that versus, you know, being proactive on posting content. So there are different strategies. And then our job is to track what works and what doesn't work. And so there's some accountability measures behind it so that we can really understand what's working over the next or the last 90 days and figure out, okay, do we need to tweak that plan or do we need to double down on something? And so I think that's the other layer is if you can track how many conversations you had or how many, you know, DMs you had from a video or for multiple mm -hmm. videos over time, you can track where that converted. Then you can decide, do I double down on that or is that not working? Right. So, um, so again, it is customized and yet there is some, uh, some feedback given and some examples. Have you, given, have you ever had uh, an agent say, yeah, I want to do that. And then they just don't. I wish I was perfect and said that never happens, but it's, that happens it's all human the time, nature. Right? Uh, there's a reason why I'm going oh. down this rabbit hole. So how, how do you help? Sure. Usually that is it, fear based uh, at some level. I mean, sure. we can call it, we can mask it, whatever it is, but it's it's rooted in fear. How do you help them through that fear and get them going on? Video? I find that it's usually around video uh, and and, uh, you know, posting some sort of social media uh, presence there. You know, not necessarily with words, but when we when we hit video, mm -hmm. that's where people start pushing back. Is that your experience? Yeah, and for sure, I think it's video, and I think it's it's a lot of lead generation strategies in general. To be honest, I think it, video is definitely one of the more um, you know front facing yeah. ones that you can obviously notice right away. And yet, it is all real estate activities. I would say, like you know, unfortunately, most people aren't trained to be entrepreneurs, right? right? So most, yeah. most people yeah. that get into real estate, they used to have a job. And so they're used to working certain hours, 
having certain tasks. And, and when you get into real estate, even though you have a plan, it usually doesn't always happen right away. Um, and so for us, it's really about having accountability in place, but then also going back to like their goals and objectives, and then really focus on the mindset and building their belief system. Because most of it, like you said, is fear-based. It really comes down to their belief system. Like if they believe that it worked or if they believe they would actually get the results, most people would actually do it. But it's because they don't actually believe that their 10 videos is going to lead to a client, then they just don't do it. And so we have to build that belief and have social proof and have accountability and, and metrics that we can statistically prove yeah. certain things. And that helps sure. justify activity. Right. So do you take them by the hand metaphorically and, and walk them through that uh, to, to get them through their fear? Yeah, definitely. And sometimes, like I said, when we do the first videos, sometimes the ones that are nervous, we'll do it together, right? That. I'm interviewing yeah, them. Great. We're asking questions. It's, it's, yeah, we're not just throwing them in front of the camera and having them <laughs> fail completely hey, forward. Um, it's, if you're it's if you're a listener right now and you don't have a very cool team leader like Mike, just grab <laughs> a friend, another realtor in your office. Grab a family member. Grab. A, you know, one of your best friends and just do what Mike talked about where you yeah. sit down and just ask them to interview you and then listen to it. And and I think you might be surprised and it, you'll warm up to it. I think that's a great way of yeah. bringing them in and getting them yeah. past their, their fear because we all have it. Um, I had people, mm-hmm. you know, who helped me over some of my fears about, you know, doing this on, you know, a recording. Oh, you recorded? It's forever. You know, but uh, it's real, it's authentic, and it helps people. And I love yeah. the fact that you're doing that. Can you give us a quick um, insight into energy? I mean, I can already feel the energy from you right now. How do you drive energy in your office, drive it in your team? Yeah, I think some of that comes from the leadership, right? So, like, I do bring a high level of energy to the team and to the day. And I think it's because I'm passionate about having a team, about pouring into the team about building a team and about real estate in general. And so I think that translates to the rest of the team and then being around other people that have that energy already with them, it also uplifts the whole room and uh, uplifts the environment. So really making sure that we have the right culture and we're cultivating the right environment, I think maintains the energy and maintains the activity. Uh, And then it's also conversations around dreams and goals and objectives for you know, the next couple of years, but also for your life. And I think that is always something that we can go back to. You know, I could say something like, hey, Todd, you mentioned that your goal was to earn $250,000 this year, and yet you're a little bit off track uh, from where we're at right now. Um, is that still the goal? And if so, then what do we need to do to, to work together to get you to that goal? And so it's really about getting buy-in like from me and from them to be able to work together to get to that goal. Um, and then it's also just recognizing like, why is that goal there in the first place? And for some people it's, it's, uh, a goal or a dream, but it may not be something that they're ready for yet. And so it's also having the real conversations about why that's important. And so I'll share a quick, quick, um, uh, thing that we did, uh, the last, uh, team meeting that we, we, we meet as a team once a week. Um, and our last team meeting, uh, I, I asked everybody, what is their goal for 2024 unit wise? Right. And so everybody gave a gave a number. We tallied the number. And I think it was 140 or 150 units without without me um, included. 
And then we did an average of all the team members um, and we multiplied that by the average commissions in San Diego. And on average, on my team, the average income, if we took everybody's goal, is $250,000 of income per year. And, and, I, and then I asked everybody, well, who in here is average? Obviously, it's a setup question, and yet none of them are average. And so if $250,000 is the average, then what do we need to do? Because you're not average. Like, what is the real goal? And then, you know, you'll get some other numbers, right? Whatever that might be. And then the next step of that was, well, when you make 250 next year, so I'm kind of pre, you know, pre-planning that they're all going to make 250,000. Well, when you make 250,000, what are you actually going to even do with it? Right? Like, I want to know exactly what you're going to do with it. So your assignment between now and next team meeting is to give me a list or a breakdown of exactly how you're going to use all $250,000 because most of them never earn that amount of income and they actually don't even know what they're actually going to do with it. So the likelihood of them actually achieving it is very slim. And so if they can make it real though and say, well, 20 grand is going to go to pay, pay down my medical bills or to put my son through college, or if they can kind of break it down, then it makes it more real. And when they don't hit the goal, I was like, it's easier to go back to that and say, well, you only made 220,000 this, this year. Does that mean you didn't put your kid through college? Like, and we can make it a reality of activity. And, and then for us, I think that holds more accountability. So long story, but I know that it, it does have a, a weight to increase the energy, increase the attitudes and kind of increase people's yeah. dreams and goals. Love it. Yep. Okay. I have three final questions for you real quick. One, <laughs> if you're talking to a buyer right now today, what do you want your team what do you want some of those talking points to be with your team to the consumer? What's some of their messaging to the consumer? Yeah, I would say the main thing working with buyers is understanding why they want to buy a house in the first place, right? What, what is the reasoning? What is the point of buying a house? And if you can extract that true motivation of what that really is, then you can potentially move that client forward. Um, if you can't, then the chances of them actually buying is going to be slim, especially in, in an environment with high interest rates that we're in right now. So there has to be a deep motivation and a deep reason of why they want to buy the house right. in the first place. Okay. Um, talking to sellers, you're in a listing um, uh, consultation. You know, what are you, uh, mm -hmm. what are some of the talking points? And can you talk to us a little bit about your seller consultation do you walk in with printed material do you walk in with electronic material um is it being done over the phone we interviewed someone yesterday they hired their they did their listing consultation over the phone you know and with their with their agent wow. we were talking to the consumer and she was like yep we did it right over the phone and i hired him right on the spot over the phone so you know can you tell us a little bit about strategies uh with listers with home sellers Definitely. So a couple of people on the team do it a little bit differently. I'm more on the digital side. And so usually I'll have my listing, you know, presentation prepared and then have comps and have everything ready all digitally. And uh, I usually will understand their timeline and motivation for selling, just like I would uh, on the buyer side, just understanding timeline and motivation, most importantly, and then walk them through what we do to get their house sold fast and for top dollar, um, even in a market like this. And so going through the marketing plan and strategy, and then ultimately helping them meet their goal 
to move on from that house and get to the next place. So it's, for me, it's always about how can I add value to that person? And I can only add value if I understand what their objectives are and what their goals are, their timeline and motivation. And so that's the only real thing that I'm looking to uncover and the marketing side and everything else comes, comes second. So uh, the last question really was, you know, it was very consumer oriented. Um, Rich and I often talk about serving customers, helping buyers and sellers right now, who in this month, they have a need to move. They have a need to sell, a need to buy, um, personal reasons, emotional reasons. Um, what do you want your team to be known by? And um, how do you instill that in your team? Yeah, ultimately, I want our team to be known by creating a, a positive real estate experience. And so that doesn't always mean selling or buying somebody's house. It means that adding value and focusing on what's important to the client. And if we can focus on them having a great experience, then as a byproduct, we'll close more deals and ultimately earn the business of the right clients. And so if we just focus on that, then everything else kind of falls in place. And so we focus on the value you know, taking care of the client, creating a, a peak experience for them and understanding the problems, their stresses, and then helping them along that path to ultimately get to their next destination. Right. So I would say that's, that's the most important thing for me. Excellent. Yeah. Love it. Wow. Lots of uh, golden nuggets throughout the whole, the whole I was podcast. just peppered with nuggets. It is it, good stuff, it Mike. Is, yeah. I, <laughs> I, hope, I hope you were taking notes and Mike, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate you. Um, you know, and your answers, they're very quick. Uh, they they instill confidence in me because I know that they come from a place of confidence and results for you and for your team. So thank you for sharing that. Yep. Keep the energy. Definitely. Well, yep. appreciate you. Yeah, thank yep. you. I appreciate so you guys. how can uh, people find you real quick? Uh, just search for your team on, are you on Instagram, Facebook, where are you at? YouTube? Uh, what other places? Yes. Yeah, so on social media is just search for at Mike Blair Realty and more than likely you'll find Perfect. me. All right. Cool. Well, Mike, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. And I'm going to say what Rich normally says. If you liked today's episode, please give us a big thumbs up um, down on the, the like button. Uh, we'll make sure we share that with Mike so that he gets all the credit for all those thumbs ups yep. today. And uh, we just, we appreciate you. We're doing this podcast to help all of you become better at our craft, become better at yep. serving clients, become better at, at uh, better real estate professionals. So, and I think we gave you a wealth of, of information here today. We hope you do too. We appreciate you as listeners. So thanks for and listening And Mike, today. thank you for uh, encouraging all of us to stretch right. uh, to reach that next bar. So right. Right. Uh, good, good stuff. So uh, that wraps up for today, though. So thank you all. This has been the Real Estate Podcast. Thank you, Mike Blair with the Mike Blair uh, team in San Diego. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, thank you, Todd. All right. We'll talk to you soon. See you back right. on future episodes. We'll see you soon. Like what you're hearing on the real estate? Tell your friends about us. Tell them to check out all of our episodes on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify. And don't forget to send any topics you want us to tackle to the real estate at homesmart.com.